welcome to I Am Not Okay With Day. I am your host, Day, and I am so excited for this episode. It's a special episode. It's going to be a little bit different than our other episodes, but equally as great in my opinion. We have a special guest, my dear friend Raquel, who will be joining us on the podcast. She's actually the inspiration for the Starting Over From Experience episode, and I am so excited that she agreed to join me in this episode. We are going to be talking about her story. She's going to be sharing her testimony with us. And so it's a, a very impactful story. I can't wait for you all to hear. I do want to say that this episode will contain some sensitive topics. And so I do want to just put out a trigger warning from right now. Sexual abuse is one of the topics that come up and also the loss of a loved one. I know that some people feel really sensitive about these issues. Some people get triggered, completely understandable, and I just wanted to make that clear before the episode begins. Also recommend that you guys do not listen to this episode with small children around, but it's going to be a good one. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Here is Raquel. Welcome, Raquel, to the podcast. I am so excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here, honestly. honestly. So you guys, if you were listening to one of the episodes, Starting Over From Experience, that was that episode was inspired for by Raquel herself. Aww. And so I'm so excited <laughs> to have the legend herself on the podcast, you guys. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. You're for in me, for a treat. No problem. I'm so excited. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, you guys, this episode is going to be a little bit different. We are going to get into talking about Raquel and her story. It's all about her. So I'm just going to turn it right over to Raquel and we're going to get started. Wait, wait, before we do that, though, before <laughs> we do that, quick history on okay. me and Raquel. How yes. do we know each other? I think this is such a fun story. So... <laughs> I, when I went to Canada, like when I first moved to Canada, we went to the same church, right? Yes. But I am a lot younger than Raquel is. <laughs> okay, you don't, have to, you don't have to tell them okay. how old, okay? <laughs> okay, I'm not that much younger. I'm a little, a couple years younger, but the point is like, we were, not, we were not like in the same circle, they're like <laughs> hanging out all the time. And actually, I feel like we got closer like when I left Canada. Because remember that summer? I think it was like 2000, <laughs> 2009. We spent all summer yep. together. It was the best yep. summer of my life. Like I literally know, to this day. It was the good times. Best then. summer. Good times. And I just remember like talking. We just would talk for hours and hours and hours. We would have the best conversations. Always, always. You know, it's always good a great conversationalist, Definitely. I will say. <laughs> some, of the real, some of the realest, most honest conversations. That's we did. Saying. It was so good. So that's yeah. how we became close. And I mean, you know, like throughout the years, you know, we go through all our different stages and stuff, but I'm so glad that like we were able to reconnect sure. and now have you on the podcast to share your story and everything that you're doing. So yes, now now we can get started. Okay, so turning over to you. Okay, so 
I'm trying to figure out exactly where to start. So obviously I'll start from my birthday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's always a good place to start. Yes. The um, beginning. The beginning. So basically I was born on January 16th, 1987. So, you know, Dania did say I was much older than her, but uh, <laughs> just, <love it. laughs> just a little bit. So yeah, as I said, January 16th, 1987. Now that date is uh, obviously extra special to me, not just because it's my birthday, but because it's the beginning of my story right yeah. um you know which which thank god I, I i've survived you know and and i'm able to tell now right which is exactly what i'm going to be speaking about so um i was born when my mother was six months pregnant okay now i didn't even know that yeah wow <laughs> she was six months pregnant with me and um i was actually three pounds four ounces when i was born so i was very small Wow. Like, uh, I was so small that my mother didn't even want to hold me. Mm. Uh, not just that she didn't want to hold me. She couldn't hold me. I had to yeah. be an incubator um, for the rest of the, the that that baking period, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of uh, finish growing. Right. And um, just making sure that my health was was OK, you know. Um, so I just want to give you guys like a background of, of, of my history. Right. In terms of that date, my mother. She was a 17-year-old student, okay? My father, he was a 24-year-old soldier, 22-year-old soldier. Wow. Okay? Now, that's just to show you the environment that I was born into. Mm-hmm. What does a 17-year-old know about holding a child, raising a child? And she's a student. Of course, she's scared. You know, think yeah. about it. Any of the listeners, you know, at 17 or any around that age, if any of you guys had children, but um, if you did, you know exactly what my mother would have felt right mm-hmm. now imagine not being able to hold your child you know not because uh you couldn't you know you're not you don't have the ability to but because you were too scared to you yeah. know it's, it's like a brand new beginning for you and brand new beginning for for that child as well right and uh you know even my father um you know 22 years old think about it you know some of the young men who listen to this show like think about it having a child at 22 you don't know what to do you really don't know what to do. Let's be honest, right? Mm-hmm. So so here I am born into this situation, obviously born early into this situation. And, and now my parents have to kind of take, obviously take care of their responsibility and take care of their child, right? So just just that, I, hopefully that gives you an understanding of, of kind of the, the situation that I was born into. Now, that being said, because I had to spend another three months in that incubator think about that's three months my first three months of life nobody held me Mm. that's actually um like no attachment you know no attachment nobody yeah that's a lot of people have that issue yeah there's no physical connection no physical Mm -hmm. touch right between myself and my mother myself and my father so um I just want you to think about that imagine we're all experiencing the quarantine right now we're all going through through that um experience of separation between one human being and another imagine Mm -hmm. you've gone that long without touching another human being so you know exactly what it feels like right now imagine a baby imagine a baby their first three months of life experiencing that (laughs) <laughs> wow. So there was no physical, no physical anything. connection, no physical touch, no nothing. And and people, anyone who who's ever studied like or even had children of their own, you understand the value and how important it is for a child to be held. Mm-hmm. How important it is for someone to to have that human touch. Yeah. You know, as human beings, that's the most necessary thing, right? We it's so necessary for us that we yearn for it when we don't have it. 
you know, so right. much that we search for it in other people. You understand what I'm saying? Um, we, we search for that, that connection that we, that we lacked. So that's, that's really the, my, my birth story, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of set the tone for the rest of my life, because to this day, I, I struggle with abandonment issues. I struggle with that sense of isolation, that sense of aloneness, that sense of there's no one else. It's always just me. You would attribute that to your you being born early or do you think that has more to do or it also is a co- in combination with other things in your oh life? I'm gonna know it's in combination with <laughs> a lot of other things but you know as with any uh when you're building a building there's always a foundation right okay and that foundation That's it doesn't matter how if you if, if it doesn't matter how high up or how beautiful that building is if that foundation is not strong enough what happens to the building it's gonna it crumble so the first foundation is the most important foundation that you that you have to build on, mm-hmm. right? In order to to um, you know really build that rest of that building. So the rest of my right. story builds on that birth story. Mm-hmm. You know? um, funny story as well. Like uh, <laughs> my mother, um, I guess she named me something. I, I don't even want to disclose it. it. Was one of those names that you just like? Okay, <laughs> thank God I was not named that. But. Um, <laughs> last minute um while my mother was kind of because she had me by cesarean section right she can't have children um naturally so Mm -hmm. (laughs) when she was kind of knocked out my father changed my name (laughs) without your permission without her permission (gasps) definitely not he named you raquel he named me raquel wow I've never known that either. (laughs) Me neither. Me neither. Me neither. Until I saw my original birth certificate that had two names. What are those? No way. (laughs) So I asked them about it and that's what they told me. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's crazy. As I told you guys. So obviously the birth certificate is just a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It looked like somebody just took some pen and paper (laughs) and just wrote my name on it. Right. But, um, that's just the story, the story of my name, but the, um, which I'm going to get back to uh, obviously a little later, but one thing that I have learned in my life is to value my name mm. because it's funny that my father changed my name from what it was called, what it was originally to what it is now. My name Raquel. Okay. It means angel of justice. Mm. Wow. And as you guys know, an angel is a messenger. Right. So messenger of justice. And if you look at my entire personality, my name is perfectly fitting for my, my personality. Yes. Right? <laughs> so, which you guys will, will, will obviously as we go, um, as I tell my story, more of my story, you guys will get to know um, why I said what I just said. Okay. But um, this is just very significant to me is, is uh, my name, because honestly, your name describes your character, right? This is why I don't know if any of you guys read the Bible or anything like that, yes. but um, in the Bible, every single time there was a major uh, life shifting, life changing experience, um, you actually see where God himself would change the name of the person who went through that. Experience. Raquel, I was just reading that <laughs> literally this week week right nice. literally with jacob 
with Jacob. So, so just very, very simple. The reason why God changed the name of these, these people is because their character changed. Yes. Right. After they went through that whole purification process, after they went through whatever it is that they went through and they grew from whatever it is that they, that they went through, um, God had to change their name because they weren't the same person anymore. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay? So their name describes their character. And that's why if you look at even the, if you go back to the Hebrew, which I, when I read the Bible, I read it in Hebrew um, as well as like, obviously Greek. Right. But um, if you look at the meanings of the name, the meaning itself changes, mm-hmm. you know? So even if you, if you look at English, it might be that um, in English, it just looks like a simple difference, but it's not. If you, in the original Hebrew, it's like a whole different meaning. Mm-hmm. And I just want you guys to realize how powerful that is. You know, um, if you look at your name, your name itself, if you look at a lot of these people's names um, throughout history, it described who they became. Yeah. Like it actually be- decided and described who they became. You know, so and so that some cultures they wait days, days before they name a child. That's how important your name is. Wow. <laughs> you know, so enough enough about my name, but um, <laughs> I just wanted to to show you guys that because it, it's uh, very full, um, very fitting for not just who I am, but for my purpose in life. You know, and that's why it's very uh, important to me. You know, so um, from there, right? Obviously after you know i went home and everything <laughs> i finally got to go home uh you know three months later but um the first three years of my life honestly was just that same kind of abandonment feeling okay and and what i mean by that is remember i told you guys that that the first experience of being abandoned it set the foundation mm-hmm this is when the bricks started being built. <laughs> okay. Right. So what happened to me when I was, I was three years old and my mother actually got an opportunity to come to Canada. Okay. And um, basically I want you guys to, cause some people have gone through that experience of having to, to leave and move countries and, and, you know, travel just to make a better way for yourself. Right. Okay. Like think about it. She's 17. Now she's 20. Um, and she, is trying to make a way for her child. All right. So when my mother, and, and I want you to show, I want to show you how much of an opportunity this was for her. When she came to Canada, she was making $2 and 50 cents an hour. What? $2 and 50 cents an hour. Wow. And she was still being required to pay rent from that. Wow. And then on top of that, she still found money to, to send to me mm-hmm. to take care of me. Cause I was in Jamaica. I was born in Jamaica. Right. right. Oh, so, so you were still in Jamaica when I your was, mom came, went to Canada. I was still in Jamaica when my mom went to Canada. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Now, not only did my mother leave, but again, remember I told you guys my father was in the army. So uh, and, and he was a soldier. Right. So he mm-hmm. also left. <laughs> he also oh. left. He had to go do training. Right. So who now, were you living with at the time? I was living I was living with my uh, fa- my family. Right. Alternating between my mother's family and my father's mm-hmm. family. OK. OK. So. I was born, nobody was there. Right. Here I am, three years old, finally kind of coming to a sense of myself. Because if you look at a mm-hmm. three-year-old, a three-year-old kind of knows a little bit about what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? They don't know what an adult knows, but they, they're they aware of themselves. And mm-hmm. they're aware of the people around them. And they're aware of the fact that when, when someone is there and when someone is not. Right. So I definitely noticed their absence. Okay. <laughs> I mean, essentially, I mean, from zero to, you know, 
three, four, five, like those are the formative years. Definitely. Like what happens from zero, even into two, like that right there can really determine where the rest of your life goes. goes. Trust me. And and I'm a living testimony to that. Right. You guys will see as I tell my story. Right. Um, so yeah, three years old, um, both of my parents, they both leave right Mm -hmm. now. My father, he left from the country that he was training into went to the United States. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I was at, brought from Jamaica to the United States. Okay. To okay. be with so, him. To be with him. Mm-hmm. All right. Also the United States was a lot closer than um, Canada. to Canada, to Canada mm-hmm. than, than, um, you know, where Jamaica. Right. So for that reason, that's why we went to the United States. Now what happened was, that's where I experienced some of the hardest things that I will tell you a child should never experience. Mm. Never, never experience. Okay. The first thing that I experienced was what happened was this lady that we were living in, living with. Um, I don't know why she decided that this was necessary, but from the day we moved in with her, she had a cast on her leg. Okay. Right? But there was nothing wrong with her <laughs> right mm. couple one day my parents came home and this lady had me in a first before i before i say that she rented out her room mm-hmm. for my family okay and so she was a random person like y'all didn't know her we didn't know her it was okay. like a room for okay her room and she lived in the furnace room okay now if you're living in the furnace room, you know the situation a person would be in to live in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. They clearly did not have the finances. Okay. Right. Now, there is also a hole in the furnace room. All right. And it was covered up. My family came home one day to see her putting me inside of that hole. Putting me inside of the hole. What? Yeah. Basically, she was trying to break my legs. Just like she broke her own, yeah, just like she broke her own legs so that she can collect insurance money. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. How old were you at this time? You were at that time. I was, I was about between three and five years old. Okay. Okay. Cause I lived in so, Florida. Okay. Also, you said that your mom was there too. So then no, like when- she, she was back and forth between um, Canada and oh, okay, so okay. she kept coming back and forth between oh, okay, like, uh, got it. yeah, you know, mm-hmm. not every month, not every, uh, you know, year. It was just kind of like whenever she could. I mean, right. if you're making $2 and 50 cents an hour, where are you right. going to get money to travel? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, that's, that's really what it is. So they came home to see her doing that. And when they asked her, as I said, she was trying to break my legs to get the insurance money. Okay. That is so terrible. When my parents refused to let that happen, right. this lady ran, ran my family out of that home with a shotgun. <gasps> so here I am, here I am at four, three, four, five years old mm-hmm. with a shotgun to my head to my face oh my goodness this is wild (laughs) you understand (laughs) so now imagine experiencing it if you're hearing it and you're like i mean that's traumatic as a child that is traumatic of of course anyone who's ever seen a gun yeah you know that there's there's a level of trauma associated with right 
Right, because it's literally a life and death situation. Situation, right? Immediately, as soon as you see a gun, you associate that with death. You don't associate mm-hmm. a gun with life, <laughs> like right. ever. You know? Exactly. So, um, that's what, unless it's to protect yourself, which some people believe in, right? So, which can still result in death. So, in death, exactly. Okay. Either <laughs> like, way, there's, it's there's no with life death. associated with guns. Let's just exactly. call it as it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, now, um, really and truly that day was not the first experience that I had and neither nor is it the most traumatic experience that I've had Mm. you understand what I'm saying so from there my parents they went and they got a place right like obviously my father was there I was living with my father Mm -hmm. um and the new place that they were at was actually with some people that he met while he was living in okay so (laughs) basically my father, obviously, he had to work, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with my mother. That's always been my experience, and 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 most people's experience. You know what I mean? Right. Like you always have a fam, a, a a parent that has to work, if not both parents. Okay, mm-hmm. and that was my experience. So m- most times when my father or my mother were away from me, it, that's when things happened to me. Mm. You know, and so I mean, it makes perfect sense why you would even have these kind of like, you know issues with being alone because bad things always happen all of, of course right now here's the thing one of the people that i was staying with um basically one night i was in a room right the room that we were staying with i don't know my father was probably sleeping or something i don't even remember where he was okay i just remember being alone and um the door opens and i just feel a lot of pain Mm. I just feel a lot of pain. That's that's all I can say, you know, because uh, obviously we're we're we are doing a podcast and I don't want to mm-hmm. go get too descriptive. Okay. Right. But I just remember as I said, two things. Pain and the sm- a smell of cigarettes. Mm. Because the person who was causing pain mm-hmm. was someone who smoked cigarettes. Mm. Now this is crazy because throughout my life, I always associated the two like together, yeah. you know, like every, it, it became so traumatizing for me that the smell of cigarettes used to trigger me. Of course. You know? And, and make me feel like I was in danger. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it was the most recognizable smell to, to be honest with you. There would be certain situations in certain places that I couldn't go. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I would be triggered by by the cigarettes right obviously i i healed from those things and over time and through exposure constant exposure right yeah um so uh that's why obviously i I don't have the same kind of reaction to cigarettes Mm -hmm. that i that i used to right but that was the first time that i was ever sexually abused okay and and you said first time raquel yeah oh yeah oh yeah how old were you at this point that time i was less than five years old that's so so sick less than five years old now because i never said anything i never said anything because i didn't mm-hmm. understand what was happening to me of course i mean you i just were knew, so young yeah i just knew that i was in pain and i knew yeah. i didn't see what was happening you understand i didn't see anything other than i heard the person's voice mm-hmm. i smelled the the smell of the person and i smelled the cigarettes associated with the person. Mm-hmm. You understand? I knew yeah. exactly who that person was because it was only us in the home. At mm-hmm. the time. Now, couple 
I don't, I'm not going to tell you, I know exactly the time frame, but the same exact year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And let's just say a couple of weeks or a couple of months later. Um, one of the, the people that used to also watch me, remember I was kind of being, I'm not going to use this word lightly. I was kind of being passed around, you know, from person to person so that I can have somebody watch me while my parents are away. Right. So one of the people that I had watching me, um, <laughs> I remember I was at the first person's house that everything happened with. Mm-hmm. And the second person called me and said, because at the time I was the the female, the, the guy's sister was babysitting me. Okay. So he called me and he said, and they lived just a couple of doors down and they were friends. Okay. Mm-hmm. He called me and he said to me, my sister left a coloring book for you. You should come over and get it. Okay. Now here I am. Yay. Coloring book. Like I'm, I'm right. <laughs> like yay, coloring book, you know? And obviously I grew up in, in kind of a poor situation. Like I don't even want to use yeah. the word kind of, I'm, let's be realistic, a very poor situation. You understand? Like my father at that time, we, we, where we were living as well was it's not the best environment. Right. <laughs> you understand? And there was community housing, you know, situations involved as well. Mm-hmm. Let's call it what it is. Okay. Yeah. Now, so when somebody gives you a gift when you don't have anything, you appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I go over to the person's house now and knock on the door. And here he is standing there, butt naked. Mm-hmm. Butt naked. Standing there. Okay? And he told me, if you don't give... I, okay, if you don't do X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. to me, you will not get this coloring book. <sighs> Think about that. <laughs> think about that. That is so sickening. You know, think about that. Right? You're a child. You only see what you want. Mm-hmm. You don't see what's happening. And and on top of that, you don't understand what's going on. Right. You have no idea what this person is actually doing to you because it's a, they, they put it in such a simple way mm-hmm. that you don't, you, you kind of, I don't want to say you don't see anything wrong with it, but you don't understand that it's wrong. Right. I mean, you're five. Yeah. You're five years old. Like, no yeah. one is going to think that you should have known better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No. Right. So that's the second time that it happened. All right. Mm-hmm. So still didn't tell anybody. I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. All right. The third time that happened was in the same the exact same place okay not the same home but the same Mm -hmm. state yeah all right and it was just it was actually with girls Mm. it was two girls two sisters you know we we played dolls together Mm -hmm. wow (laughs) okay they were older than me all right they were about 12 13 Right. I'm going to say around that age, maybe a little, a little bit older, but not no way close to like 50. Right. Right. But what happened was, you know, we're playing dolls and I, I used to, they taught me how to make dolls, Uh, not Mm -hmm. dolls, make, make the clothes for dolls. So I'm there Mm -hmm. like sewing, doing my little thing, thinking like, (laughs) thinking that I was, I was enjoying myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's almost like that moment of enjoying myself was just totally taken away from me right 
totally, totally taken away from me, you know, because they started touching me in certain places and certain, certain, like experimenting with me, mm-hmm. you know, like certain people, when they start growing, growing breasts as girls, mm-hmm. okay, you, you, there's certain people explore it. Most people explore themselves as human beings, right. you know what I mean? Or you explore, you explore your environment. We've always done that since you're a child. Okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously they're, they're around the age where they're starting to grow breasts and they start to look at mine. How comes yours is not growing? Mine mm-hmm. is. And they start to touch certain things that, that should not be touched, whether it's by a male or a female when you're, when you're five years old. You understand no. what I'm saying? I mean, even at that age, it's still problematic. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I mean, if I like in my state of thinking right now, I'm thinking they were probably abused too. Probably. Because you know, this kind probably. of behavior is just not typical for. Exactly. I mean, you do have like the exploration. Explore- yes. But yeah. like to this level, no, that's not no. appropriate. Exactly. Right. Now. That is literally, I just, I just listed the first person, the second guy, mm-hmm. two, that's two males and two females. Right. Okay. And this is within the same year in the same country. Wow. Okay. No healing because how can you heal when you never told anybody mm-hmm. that, that something's wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're five years old. You're going to heal yourself. Right. And is it even wrong? Like, do you even feel at this point that it is wrong? Like, were you aware that something wasn't really right? Like, to be honest with you, when I was that age, I actually started thinking that it was me. Like, it was me that was causing these people to do these things to me. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, if it's being done so many times, it it has to be me Mm -hmm. that's causing it to be done. That was my my thinking. Right, which is a trauma response. And it's also typical for kids in general, too, because they... Uh, they blame themselves they blame they, themselves for everything yeah. they're they don't have the mental capacity to see like all these other different exactly. perspectives exactly you yeah. know so so that's exactly what happened I blamed myself I I really truly honestly believed that it was me and this is just how life was like mm. people do these things to you mm. you know because I've never experienced otherwise I didn't know right. what life was like think about it your first kind of kind of thoughts and, and memories these are the ones that are being imprinted on your brain like you don't mm-hmm. know anything else you don't know anything right. what other story what other experiences have you really had you know that can really have that level of impact on you that you will remember it right I mean at this point too your brain is like nowhere near done developing Develop. and it's already been corrupt with things that it shouldn't be exactly exactly mm-hmm. right so that's really where where everything kind of really came together and built on top of the foundation that was already built. So not only was I feeling the abandonment issues, okay, but I was also feeling a sense of of, of guilt. Like literally, literally, you know, as I grew up, I I started going to church and and I would pray and I would feel guilty. And I didn't know Mm. why I was feeling guilty, but I'm feeling guilty and I'm praying, God, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. Think about that. Did I do something wrong? No. So what was I thinking about? Why was I feeling guilty mm-hmm. about? You know, what, what was I feeling guilty about? You know, it's so very I'm typical crying, with, with sexual trauma. Yeah, I'm crying. I'm praying. But there's this always this this chip on my shoulder. And it's that feeling of guilt mm-hmm. of walking in the world, moving in the world wrong. Because there has to be something that I'm doing wrong. Mm. That was the feeling. 
Yeah. You know, basically what happened after that was um, I actually ended up leaving the States after that. Yeah. Right? So is that um, when you went to Canada? That's when I went to Canada. But I went to Canada not because of the abuse. I went to Canada because of the my mother was there. <laughs> you right. Know? Yeah. So um, basically my mother and my father, we both uh, ended up in Canada. Right. Or my mother, and my father and I, we all mm-hmm. ended up in Canada. Now, in Canada, I don't know if anyone knows this, but like um, the school system is not the same as the, the United States. Right. Uh, in Canada, they actually put you in your grade based on your age. Mm-hmm. OK. In the States, they do it like if you're if you're smart, they put you in a different grade. If you're mm-hmm. <laughs> not that smart, they put you in another grade. You know, And like, actually, even in Jamaica, like it's really not based on your age. Yeah. Yeah, I had to repeat a grade when I went to Canada too. You had to repeat a grade. I had to yep. actually stay out of school. I had to wait. Stay what? Of, yeah, I had to stay out of school until I was able to catch up with the people who were my age. That is like illegal. Yeah, that does not sound right. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. I was outside of school. I was out of school for a year. Okay, that's crazy. When yeah, when I came to Canada, it was like. It, think about it you have a whole new experience right you go through all this trauma Mm -hmm. and all these this these scary experiences when you're in you know when i was in the united states and Mm -hmm. um and obviously this is nothing to america right this is just my experience right so basically imagine moving out of that environment to your home your own because your parents, my, my parents had to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Canada is not the cheapest country, right? right. So both of them had to work um, and, and in order to, to provide, okay? So you're, I was in a situation where I was not able to, as I said, go to school. So you have this alone time and you, what do you think you're going to do with that time? You know, you're going to, you're going to have memories that, that come up within your, within your mind, right? Um, that you're obviously going to have to work through or heal from, right? But you're five, six, seven years old. Obviously, mm-hmm. I was growing, okay? And w- my experience, when I first went to school, it was, it was a whole different place for me, all right? I had the experience, I went from the multicultural kind of school that I was in in Florida, mm-hmm. where there was, you know, that was in Florida, actually, that was my first exposure to um, seeing a black person speak Spanish. I, honestly, it, <laughs> right. it blew my mind. I was just like, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I became very fascinated with, with the language after that, you know, so I went from like a, a melting pot of like Spanish, Haitian, I had people speaking Creole yeah. to me, like, you know, like different kinds of people. And where I ended up in Canada at that time, I was literally the only black person in my school. Girl, which part of Canada were you in at that point? Brampton. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> it's so different before, now. This is before it became developed. This is when it was like farmland. Everywhere yeah. you went. Was see, like, I don't even know that kind of Brampton. I don't. Yeah, see? So it was all farmland. And um, the people that lived there looked like they lived on farms. <laughs> <laughs> they were not like you. They were not <laughs> like me. It was like... It was like I always kind of felt like a stranger in my own mm-hmm. environment. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I always yeah. had that 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 I am alone feeling. Okay, it got so bad. It became so bad that one. 
I don't know who convinced me to do this or why I did this, but I actually needed attention. Needed it. Of course. I mean, well, it it makes sense though, Raquel, because when you go back, like kids need that attention. They need it. Honestly, and when they don't get it, they fiend for it. Think about a a child. Right. A child will tap you or call your name Mm -hmm. 100 times just to say, look at me, look what I did. Yes. (laughs) Look what I'm doing. You're like, okay. (laughs) Good job for existing. But that little two seconds of interaction between you and them meant the world. Of course. (laughs) You need that security. The security. You need to know that you exist and you need to be acknowledged for your existence. Yes. Okay. So that was what, that was my issue. It was like, it was like, Mm -hmm. I was always walking in the world by myself mm-hmm. everything in the world is moving but it's like nobody saw me yeah they see me but they don't see me mm-hmm. so i remember some some girls obviously when you were younger you probably seen your mother shaving their eyebrows okay this is- <laughs> i can't that say was- that i did but okay Okay, well, I saw she, my, my mother. This was the trend in the 90s. Okay, my mother, uh, used right, shave her eyebrows. I never understood. Shave her like completely off, off completely, and only then draw it take, on. Yeah, only to take a black little eyebrow pencil. Okay, and draw in the eyebrows. Like, what? That's <laughs> you want the eyebrows without the eyebrows. Like, <laughs> get it. <laughs> right so Uh, so i saw that little instrument and i did exactly the same thing i shaved off my eyebrows totally (laughs) completely and i literally went to school and i told everyone i had cancer (laughs) everyone like i told everyone listen no (laughs) dania when i told you like i okay and (laughs) I don't know how to explain it, but like, I think at the time, the thing is, okay, there was, there was some, (laughs) I was struggling. Of course. That's the best way to say it. I was struggling. That's the best way to put it. You know what I mean? I, I needed the, somebody to look at me, to acknowledge my existence, but to, to make me feel like no matter how you exist and who you exist as, Mm -hmm. it's valid. It's okay. It's okay that I was, you know, feeling like I was by myself. It's mm-hmm. okay. You understand? Because the reality is I was by myself. Yeah. I mean, you I were was. suffering alone. Yeah. Nobody think about knew. It. People think that because you have parents, because you live with your parents, that you have parents. Mm-hmm. They need Hopefully to be taking what I'm saying and emotionally, and emotionally present. exactly because parents, mm-hmm. you know, and this is nothing against all parents, okay, but mm-hmm. but parents are raised or 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 somehow develop the understanding that you know as long as I am there, okay, mm-hmm. I'm living there, <laughs> as long as you know I'm providing. You know, right. I go and I, I bring home the food and the, the, you know, the child has everything they need. Mm-hmm. They feel like I'm, I'm, I'm you're doing enough. What I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. I think and that's I, a, a Caribbean mentality, especially maybe even among the black community where 
you know, a physical like expression of love and uh, affection is just not a thing. And it's not we, a thing. We, it, we feel like, no, you know, exactly. we don't be doing it's, all that. It's not true for all families. Obviously, yeah. there are families mm-hmm. that are more lovingly, yeah. <laughs> more loving. No, but typically, I think that's true. Like, what? especially um, for Caribbean people or people who grew up not having, like, your yeah. job is just to provide. And yeah. once you have that, especially if they're able to give you something more than they even had, it's like, you better be okay with that. You yeah, know, as long that. as exactly, exactly what you just said, as long as what the parent is giving is more than what they received, mm-hmm. they felt satisfied. But yeah. the thing is, the thing is, and this is very important. Anyone who's a parent watching or listening to this, I want you to really take this in. Okay. Understand that it's not about the love that you are giving. It's about how your child is receiving the love that you're giving. Mm-hmm. It's not about how the love that you're giving. You could be literally feeling like you're giving the child everything. But the child still feels completely empty because the one thing, the one thing that you Mm -hmm. needed to give them out of the hundred, you never gave them. Mm -hmm. Listen, being emotionally present is the most important thing. It's more important (laughs) because you always will know and feel that more than like the physical lacking. You know, let me tell you something. My father was always from the minute we moved to Canada. This is this is also a part of of, of my story. Mm-hmm. Literally, from the moment we lived, moved to Canada, he was always in and out of the country, in and out of the mm-hmm. country. Okay, and every single time he went away, came back. He came with something. Mm-hmm. There was always a gift. It's almost like every time he left, I can expect that he's going to come back with something for me. Yeah, my dad actually used to travel a lot too when I was a kid, and did the same thing. And did the same thing. Now, yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing. I. I'm not, I'm not dumb. (laughs) Okay. I'm pretty smart. If I, and I, I'm very good at picking up patterns. Mm -hmm. So I notice the pattern. You go away, you come back, I get a gift. You go away, you come back, I get a gift. Okay. Mm. Now, eventually I start expecting you go away, come back, I get a gift. Right. Your child also. So like, obviously this is one and two together. This is equals three. Okay. (laughs) Most importantly, that's what you taught me. You taught me that. Right. You taught me that when you go away, when daddy goes away, I get a gift when Mm -hmm. you come back. Okay. Mm -hmm. The thing is, the thing is, I got the gifts. I played with them, but they have no value. Mm-hmm. Because you wanted just him. I wanted him. And he couldn't see that. Yeah. He couldn't see that. That more than the gift, I needed him. He was the gift. He was my gift. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. Like, literally. Okay, think about it like this. I got so many gifts, okay? That it was like I had more gifts than I had my father. <laughs> right. about that? I mean, that's and- true. And not just did I have more gifts than I have my father, but the gifts were there when he wasn't. Mm. So he taught me, he taught me without realizing that I might not always be here, but the gifts will be here. Hmm. Think In about a way, that. it's like what to rely on. What That means I, why should I look forward to you? You understand what I'm saying? But now think about it. As a child, every child, when their parent comes home, the first words out of their mouth is daddy, mommy. That's what they say. They don't say gift, toys. 
that's not what they say which means mm-hmm. that I, I, at that age i didn't value the gifts i didn't value right. the toys even though you thought that i valued them mm-hmm. and i mean all kids want is their parents their like parents. that's it I, I, I want to honestly take a second to really speak to every single parent out there like honestly mm-hmm. listen if you have nothing absolutely nothing and you have a child your child doesn't understand that you have nothing they don't right. understand that you have nothing so when you are there and is your your presence is there your presence means everything to them mm-hmm. like literally everything to that child you understand because yeah. the child you are the constant in their life right the gifts the gifts the gifts come and go they change you understand? You, that's the beauty. That's the thing that makes them beautiful. You don't know what you're you're getting. Mm-hmm. But children need that stability. Yeah. They need that foundation. They need that one thing that they can rely on when nothing is going right in their life. Think about it. I was going through hell. What am I going to do? Turn to the gifts? I need my father. Mm-hmm. I needed that one thing that I was 100% sure would be there. Does that make sense? Of course, you know. So what about your you and your mom? Like, what was that dynamic like? Since he was gone and she was really more. Remember, my mom. Listen, my mom. She, when I was younger, I remember seeing my mother work four jobs. Wow. So she was gone too, basically. Gone. You Mm -hmm. you don't you work four jobs? You think you have time? You don't. (laughs) Like what? What's time? And it's hard because like that's all they had. You know, like you have to survive. Definitely. And, And. now think about it. We were living in community housing. Right. Community housing. Where they're they're supposed to help you out. Yeah. And she still had to work four jobs to be able to afford the community housing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just taking care of children is hard enough, you know. Yes. At that now, point, it still was just you, right? It was still me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. So again, my experience at school, um, because my mother had to work so hard and my father wasn't there we actually ended up in a situation where we got evicted from community housing oh no now if you guys know what community housing is it's like government funded housing Mm -hmm. okay which is like i just want you to understand that if you get evicted from community housing you really had nothing like you really didn't have it yeah you understand so that was our situation. We got evicted from the community housing. We had to move. Okay. And not only that, I had to move several times. Yeah. Literally, I went, I graduated from five different schools by before I was 12 years old. That's insane. Okay. So you, I mean, you never really, based on what you're saying right now, you never had stability or, move, move or security. Schools, you, it's always just up and down, up and up down. And Nothing down. is predictable. And I mean, was, that is one of those like primary things that kids need to. Yeah. Like it got so bad that I had no sense of direction. I actually didn't know where I was at any time. Like mm. you, I would, I would be moving, Um, we'd be driving from city mm. to city and I would I would literally not know where I am. I did not know that I was in one city versus the next city. Wow. It wasn't until I, I I started noticing that the signs were different. The street signs, mm-hmm. you know, in one city it'll be blue, in the next city it's green. Right. And I'm like, oh, so there's something different. You know, I remember I told you I, I, I pick up patterns very easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that this the city's changed. You know, I'm in a different place, right? But it it, it really and truly the reason why I told you guys that is to show you the instability in my life. 
There was yeah. nothing that was that I could go home to that I could say this is home. Mm-hmm. There was there was no one I could turn to that I could say this is my parent. This is my family. You understand? That was my experience. It was always the only thing that I always had and the only thing I ever had was just me. So it teaches you something. It literally teaches you something. It teaches you how to survive. It teaches you that yep. in life, this is the only person that you always have yourself. Can't trust and anybody. Exactly. You know, think about it. Your parents set the tone for your life. I'll tell you that straight mm-hmm. up. You're, you're, and how you see your life. Okay. Yep. It, 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 your parents even set the tone for how you see God himself. Okay. Or whoever, Facts. whichever religious figure or mm-hmm. you, however you view the world, however you view the world, it was set by your parents when you were mm-hmm. very, very young. Okay. So my experience of the world is no one will be here. Mm. Nobody, especially when I'm going through hell. Wow. You know, cause I had no one to turn to. Yeah. Everywhere I went, it was like the world was continuously spinning and I was the only person that was staying the same. I, it's, it's like I expected change. I expected things to change because I didn't know mm-hmm. anything to stay the same. Right. That was you your norm. That was my norm. So, again, we got evicted from the community housing. We, we moved around. Um, and it was so bad that, like, I did not have time to make friends. Like, by the time I made a friend, Okay, by the time I, I I had someone who I could say, hey, you know, you're my friend. Mm-hmm. I'd be gone. Mm-hmm. I'd be gone. So if you can't look outside of yourself, where do you turn? You turn inwards. You definitely turn inwards. So that's exactly what I did from that. I, I, life showed me to do that. Right. You know, so I started writing. I started, first of all, I started reading a lot, like, if I wasn't reading, I was writing. Mm-hmm. Either one or the other. Hence, I wear glasses now because, <laughs> because right. I used to read in the dark. I, it doesn't matter. Like my parents used to come in the room, turn off the light, and I'm still <laughs> reading. I'm just like, mm-hmm, you think I'm going to my bed? I'm not going to my bed. <laughs> I, got, I got this chapter finished. <laughs> you know, but I fell in love with reading. I fell in love with um with writing. Yeah. About what was happening to me. Because I couldn't tell people and I couldn't describe what what was like what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I was feeling something. Right. You know right. I mean? Like you never had the words to really articulate uh, exactly what's happening. Exactly. You know, especially as um, as a child, right? Children are still developing their vocabulary. Exactly. You know, very much developing their vocabulary. So so for me, it was like sometimes I would draw. You know, like uh, I, used, I remember I used to sit down and watch the um, the World Vision commercials on TV. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like a charity, right? So for those of you who don't know what World Vision is, but I used to see, see the commercials on TV and I would see poverty and I would draw pictures of the community that I would want to build for those people. Wow. So, so that became like my pastime, like drawing, <laughs> drawing little communities, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then um, that was one thing. And then writing and, and listening to music. Because obviously, um, you know, you're surrounded by, by, by music everywhere you go. So you, especially when you, when you listen to it a lot, you tend to start to write it, okay? Especially when right. you, for myself, that's what happened with me. You know, if, yeah. if you're really musically inclined, at least you want to try it. <laughs> yeah, because I haven't been writing those songs, okay? 
<laughs> you know, not even, some people is writing songs, some people is playing an instrument. You know, whatever you surround yourself with, you at some yeah. point you're gonna want to be like, okay, let me let me see if I can put my hand on that and try yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> you know, but right. it became a means of expressing myself. And at the yeah. time, obviously, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I was doing these things, and it's like it's like they were natural to me to do these things but they were my source of healing yeah you understand at least it, it now it's the foundation of my healing but it started when i was a child right you understand i want i say this to say i say that to say this a lot of parents sometimes you see your child and they're doing something like like art or um you know they're they're creating something you know or they're using their hands with something and and if they've been doing it long enough, you eventually some people, some parents tell them to stop. Don't tell your child to stop. Don't tell your child to stop because that very thing that you're telling them to stop right now is exactly when they grow up. That's exactly what they're going to do. Right. If you don't stop them, you allow that creativity to just flow out of them. I promise you, your child, you will develop a child that is very self-sustaining. Okay. Like they know how to heal themselves because they have an outlet. You understand? Mm-hmm. think about it when I didn't have a psychologist when I didn't have a, a, a counselor somebody to talk to because I didn't know the words yeah. to say what did I do I, I I turned to the only thing I knew so don't take that pen out of the child's hand don't take that paper away from them don't take the marker away from them whatever your art form your child uh, uses to cope with life to make sense of life don't take it away from them Yes. Okay. Especially if you, when you were younger, you had those same desires, but life taught you, you know what? You have to take mm. care of your responsibilities. Mm-hmm. I think that's because, also kind of like a Caribbean mentality thing. Yeah. Too. Like you, you allowed the creator, the, the creative mm-hmm. person within you to die. Because okay? you not, need to survive. Exactly. Because you, exactly. Like you said, you need to survive. Mm-hmm. But don't allow that to happen for your child because that might be your child's only source of survival. Yeah. Wow. Then you wonder why the suicide rate is up. Because there's nobody who has any, the, the, they don't have a, a level of. An outlet. An outlet. Mm-hmm. Like something to say, something to say, I feel this way. I feel this way. You know how you guys listen. I don't know if you've ever been through through something and 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 you meet a stranger and you just explode. Like you literally tell them everything, <laughs> everything, because you can't say it to somebody you know. Now imagine, right. imagine if you feel like that. Imagine your child. Imagine mm-hmm. your child. You know, so so that was my experience. I, as I said, I turned to art from a very young age as well. And um, it helped me to heal. It helped me to cope. And it helped me more, more importantly, to make sense of life. Yeah. Because life didn't make sense. It didn't, it didn't make sense at all. Of course. You know? So that was, that was like my introduction to, <laughs> to Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And a year. Remember I told you I was out of school for a year. Mm-hmm. Okay? A year after I came to Canada, my family, my mother... They ended up, my, my parents, sorry, they ended up having another child. Right. So not only did I go through this experience, all these experiences. It's just like change after change after change. Yeah. But the one time when I was with my family, 
they had something else to take care of, someone else to take care of. Mm. They had another responsibility. So I still didn't get the attention that I needed. Right. You understand? I still didn't get anything that I needed. Sure, mm-hmm. I had the basic necessities of life. They provided me with food. They provided me with all everything mm-hmm, that I needed mm-hmm. to survive. But the emotional but, security, you didn't have that. Yeah, I was surviving, but I was dying inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you understand? Like hanging on a thread. Yeah. You know, and 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 the thing is, you I didn't understand that that's what that was that's what was happening to me, but I I knew what I was feeling. Yeah. You know, over time, obviously, I got clarity on it and I realized, right. oh, wow, you know, I, I've, I'm having this experience. But before that, I didn't ha- I didn't know that, you know, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, sometimes, honestly, when you're living an experience, you never really know what you're going through. It's not until you pass Facts. through the experience that you can look back at it and you're like, oh, <laughs> I actually said that in one of the episodes, too. I think it was a starting over one as well, that like. You, you get used to going through something bad so you don't even realize like how hard that actually is until, until you sit you're down. out of it and you're like oh yeah. wow like dang you're- that was really tough exactly when you pass mm-hmm. through the situation not just that but when you have conversations about your situation yeah. then you realize you know what right when you talk to other people this. when you talk to other people you're like wait you didn't you weren't raised like this too like you didn't do this, this <laughs> <laughs> yep this didn't happen to you also at all like not e- no <laughs> not even a little bit of it like what? and and again there goes that isolation and there goes that what's wrong with me right so something has to be different with me something only happened to me if it only happened to me mm-hmm. you know and not just that but if it keeps happening to me right if it keeps happening to me, because when I came to Canada, remember, I left Florida, all the abuse that I was experiencing mm-hmm. in Florida, it came back again here in Canada. Mm. New people, new place, new environment, same experiences. Wow. So for me, it was just like, how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? I know. I mean, it almost seems like just too much for a person. It was never, it was never ending, Dania. It was never ending. When I tell you, it was, I have been literally abused sexually and physically. Okay. But let's, let's only count the the sexual part of it. Mm -hmm. I have more fingers on my hands. Okay. I I would not be able to count the fingers on my hands. Like I'd need more hands. Mm Mm-hmm. To be able to count the amount of times I've been abused. Wow. I mean, I need more hands and I need to start counting my toes. I'm so sorry, Raquel. Like just hearing this, uh, it just breaks my heart, honestly, because, you know, like you and I'm, I mean, I'm going to tell you this all throughout. Like, I thank you so much for sharing this. You are so, so brave to even be able to share this. And I know that like, this is going to resonate with a lot of people because, you know, as terrible as it is, like there are people out there who are going through equally terrible, if not worse exactly. things and exactly. feeling like, dang, like, when is this going to end? And, and they're, they're completely silent about it. There's, listen, the, yeah. the, the rate of women, okay, who have been abused mm-hmm. before the age of 18 is three out of four. Wow. Three out of four. Now think about it. So high. Exactly. Now think about it. If you're in a room of four people, four women, three of them have been abused before. That's they, so they, terrible. They, the age of 18 
You know, it's interesting because I used to work at a community mental health center and there was a time when my supervisor was like, okay, Danny, it's time for you to do a group. You know, everybody, like I did individual therapy, but also, you know, they want us to do group therapy to like push us to do extra things. And so as we were talking about, okay, what kind of group could I have? I said, I remember saying to him, you know, honestly, 90% of the clients that I work with have been sexually abused. Yeah. And this is the yeah. number one thing that yeah. we're working on. And male and female alike. And you know, here's the scary part. Yeah. Here's the scary part. Okay. 90% of the people you know have been abused. Right. Most people who have been abused, they've never said anything. So you don't even know. And, you know, uh, I mean, we were kind of talking about this before this was recording, but I think the thing is, too, that there is abuse is not just like one it's not like one thing like it it, it there's such a broad spectrum to the people exactly don't realize what is actually and abused. that they are being abused that, that, that what they're, being they're abused. going through that what they're going through yeah. is classified as abuse because that yeah. was what happened to me as a child it was just like i'm experiencing this mm-hmm. but it's not as bad as what this person experienced right but it's not, you understand so the minute you feel like it's not as bad as what the other person experiences then you you take what you've been through and you lessen it. Mm-hmm. You said, you literally are saying to yourself that what I went through was not valuable. It was not mm-hmm. valid. But what they went through is valid. Why can why is it okay for you to feel sorry for them, but you can't feel sorry for yourself? Right. You went through it. That's where your healing starts. That's always the hardest thing. Yeah. yeah. That's where your healing starts is actually understanding that what they're going through, you went through it. Okay, and it hurt you just as much. Mm-hmm. But that person is willing to talk about it, and you didn't, and you aren't. Mm. That's the difference. So when you open up and you start to talk, guess what happens when we open our mouth and speak? The world hears. The people we're surrounding ourselves with, they hear, mm-hmm. and they literally just they connect with it. I've been there. I know yeah. what that feels like. You know, yeah. I really believe that the experiences that we have in our lives, like all of us, every experience we've had, somebody else out there has experienced it. Yeah, a thousand percent. Exactly. And when we speak, we connect with each other. Yeah. And the pain that we've went that we've gone through, it 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 lessens. It it it, mm-hmm. it doesn't provide a band-aid, it actually provides a solution. Yeah. Yeah, because I think when you hear people talking about their experiences, then you want to talk about your experiences. And just the act of talking about it is moving forward in your healing process. Absolutely. When we speak about our experiences, um, we become lighter. Mm -hmm. We actually become lighter, you know. And this is why I always preach therapy, 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 because we need to do this. Like, we have to talk about this. It just becomes just this, like mountain of rocks yeah yeah we carry when we keep it closed but listen to this listen to this the same way how it becomes a mountain of rocks when we keep our mouth closed okay Mm -hmm. guess what any man can move a mountain Mm. just by moving one stone Hmm. so if you have the first conversation about what you went through you move the stone Mm-hmm. You continuously do that. Eventually, the mountain that you that was holding you down, yeah, you freed yourself from it. I love that. 
you freed yourself from that mountain. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's so funny because like when I, I remember talking about this with a lot of my clients, like it, it, people would always say, what's the point of talking about it? It already happened. It's in the past. Like we can't change no, no, it. No, people no. always used to tell me that. And my <laughs> thing is, yes, it happened. And you can't change what happened in the, in the past, but you don't realize how this thing is debilitating you. Exactly. You I'm going to tell you guys this. Okay. Yeah. And this is one of the most valuable lessons that I've learned in life. Everything is energy. Everything. Emotions is just energy in motion. Hmm. Okay? So now, you, when you go through an experience, you might take that energy out of your mind, but it lives in your body. And it becomes your behavior. Yeah. Okay? Whether you're conscious about it or not. All right? Now, because you uh, did not allow that energy to come out of you, now that energy that was anger comes out in you punching a wall. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now that energy that was hurt comes out in you hurting other people. Right. I mean, this is the whole reason we have defense mechanisms. Like, One million percent. They're created to protect us because we didn't deal with whatever the issue was that scared us to begin with or scared that me. affected us to begin with you know and we're constantly living in this this heightened triggered mode yeah like literally that because again that energy is still within you so yeah you could say oh you know for those people who who, who still believe that with that you know oh it's in the past oh mm -hmm. forget about it let it go listen you think you let it go because it's not here in the forefront of your mind or you think it's not but it, exactly right. It, because it, nine times out of ten, it is there and it's, it's coming. There. It's already out. It's out in your relationships, yep. your friendships, everything. It shows. Oh, if, if you if you think you have gotten over it, just interact you with another it. human being. Okay. <laughs> just Literally, just long just enough. <laughs> listen, okay? Look at the look at look at the types of relationships you have with people and yeah. then tell me that oh it's oh, you're over it. You're over it. Oh, and God. then you wonder why you are alone. There's no one that's mm -hmm. actually in your corner because right. you pushed everybody away. Because to you protect yourself. The same way you pushed away your emotions. Right. You yeah. see? So you pushed away your emotions to protect yourself. Now you push away people to protect yourself mm -hmm. and you, and, and you feel like you've healed from something. Yeah. But really you suppressed it, but emotions, as much as you think you can suppress it, they need to be expressed. I always used to say, it's like a monster, you know, the monster that you try to put in the closet, but it's there and it's coming after you. Yep. And yep. as fast yep. as you run, it's going to catch up to you. It's going to, it's going to, not only that, but again, energy energy who can contain energy can you contain lightning <laughs> yeah that's like you trying to hold on to your emotions is you trying to contain lightning mm -hmm. okay now you the same way how lightning is painful when it when it goes through your body it's painful in your body sometimes your emotional distress that you've that you've suppressed it comes out in physical pain facts physical pain and i did not know this until i went through depression yeah that is facts okay so it's very important for you if you feel any emotion let it out you have mm -hmm. to okay you have to find a way to get it out i promise you once it's out of you that energy will pass 
energy will pass just like water flows. You'll never step in the same river twice because the water is constantly flowing. So same thing with emotions. You can't experience the, emo the same emotion twice because the energy is going to flow That if you let it out. Mm -hmm. But if you don't let it out, it doesn't flow. It stays within you and circles and circulate, yeah. circulate, circulate. And then you, you become a bitter a human. A tornado, basically. Yeah, a very bitter <laughs> human being. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So, so now your sister's exist the first one your first, <laughs> first sister one. i was gonna say your sister's presence has uh ruined we're, we're, everything yeah, <laughs> no but i didn't want to say that <laughs> now your sister exists your middle we're, sister. <laughs> we're, we're, okay so uh all my sisters were, were i have two other sisters and we're both um you know eight years apart <laughs> we're all eight years apart yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's what it is. Um, but yeah, my sister was born and it was kind of like, not only did I end up not healing from my situation, but again, my father's in and out of the country. Mm -hmm. My mother has to work. So who do you think has to take care of the child? Mm. So you have another responsibility <laughs> On yes. top of everything you're already dealing with. On top of it. On top of it. So not only did I not get the help that I needed, but now I was, I had a responsibility kind of thrown at me. Yeah. Okay, and I use the word thrown, um, th the fact that it was thrown on me because it's not my responsibility. I didn't have right. it. You know, and, and, and that's just an honest um, statement to all parents, you know, mm -hmm. if you are a parent and a parent of multiple children, please, please be careful. Yes. It's very important. You need to work. Obviously you need to provide for your child, obviously, but do not put your responsibilities on your children. Yeah. Okay. Listen, make sure you, this is this, I'm going to, I want to say this to all parents, make sure to everyone, Make sure you heal yourself first so that your child never has to heal from you. Mm. I mean, honestly, though, I wonder how uh, I wonder if that's even possible, because, like, I feel like we all have things because honestly, in my personal experience, at least, okay. you know, I, I would say I was raised well. My parents were great. Everything was awesome. But like, as I'm doing therapy, especially mm -hmm. I'm realizing, oh, wait, <laughs> yeah, something that happened kind of did affect me in not a great yeah. way, you know, and I feel like they did a good job with, you know, what they knew. But that's the thing. It's like parents will do what they know. They do what they know. Mm -hmm. They do what they know. But if you're going to do what you know, know what you're doing. <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean i think that's all the ultimate thing too is that you know what honestly sometimes people have kids and they just should not be having kids okay like <laughs> yeah you know having okay. having children first of all this is one thing i've learned as an adult having children being married being in a relationship these are things that are not easy peasy don't take them lightly really have to be uh, you really need to know yourself well, think no. about it. If you're having a child, you are responsible for the next generation. Right. Now, well, you're 100% you're responsible for them. 100%. 100%. Now, the reason why I said that is because think about it, okay? You have a child. You raise a child a certain way. Everyone in your generation has children. They raise a child a certain way. You create the next generation. Exactly what I said. Mm -hmm. Now, 
if that generation, you're going to look at them and say, oh, what's, what's wrong with them? They're problem children. They're this. They're rude. They're disrespectful. They have. Mm-hmm. You created them. You yep. created them. That's facts. Okay. Now, so look at yourself. Don't look at the next generation. Look at yourself first. What have I done? To What have I contributed to that generation? Right. I think that's the hard thing is that you really have to look within and some people look just within. don't want to do that. That's the, honestly, and the craziest thing is what's within or what, uh, let me say this. The craziest thing is what you see on the outside is actually only going on on the inside mm. because we don't see the world as, as it is. We see the world as we are. So when we're going, I, I want you to see, think about it like this. When you're going through hell, doesn't it seem like everything just dreads and drags? And oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. It doesn't feel, <laughs> nothing feels right. And it feels like the world is this dark place. Yeah. Okay. But when you're, when you're up and you're feeling good, you can't see negatives. Mm-hmm. Or you can easily brush it off or you like. You brush it off because you're stronger now. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're feeling good. <laughs> right. You can come <laughs> to conclusions and. Exactly. Just to put it very simply for you. Okay. I don't know if any of you guys have ever purchased a car. All right. Let's say when I, I, I remember when I went to buy my first car, it was a Honda Civic, black Honda Civic. I swear the day I made a decision that I wanted to buy a Honda Civic, a black one, a stick shift. It seemed like every car on the road was a black Honda Civic and a yes. <laughs> <laughs> That happens all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, that's what I'm saying. So it's the yeah. same thing that happens within us. How yeah. you see the world is a reflection of who you are and how you are. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So when you're looking at the world and the world just seems bitter, who are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? What's going on with you? What have you experienced that caused you to see the world in such a bitter way? Mm-hmm. You know? So that's really what what um, my kind of experience in terms of, you know, coming to this country, to, to Canada and seeing all of these things happen around me and, and not yeah. having that healing, right? Not having the healing and then having to take up the responsibilities. It's like you become, right. you, your heart becomes hardened. Of course. And you feel like life is difficult and it has to be difficult. Life doesn't ever have to be difficult. Right. So how did all of that affect your relationship with your middle sister? So what happened? um, That's a a really good question. Um, Obviously, (laughs) it didn't start off so nice. When (laughs) when Mm -hmm. I found out my mom and my mom was pregnant, I I kind of, how do you say it? I don't want to say I became abusive, but like I hit her in her stomach. Mm. I hit her in her stomach because I understood that I wasn't going to be alone anymore. Yeah. There's going to be somebody else there. Okay. And obviously that child is going to be fighting for the attention that I needed. And they're going to need it. And they're going to need it just as much. Being a baby, especially. A baby. Mm -hmm. You know, so let's just let's just be real. I wasn't too happy. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, Honestly, you were eight. So you're eight, right? Or yeah. yeah. Right. Was, so, yeah. Cause then, I mean, either way, you're was, a kid, you're a kid. So <laughs> that's what kids do when they're upset. They can't yeah. say, mom, I'm really mad that you're having a kid right now because you didn't take care of me. No, the, you're going to hit, you're going to punch, you're going to get aggressive. You're going to exactly. act out. And cause you don't that's have what the words. You, Right. That's you only have you the actions. 
<laughs> that's you saying I'm really mad at this right now. At this, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So parents, like, that's another thing too. Be just please pay attention to your child. Like, literally, yeah. just watch their behavior. Watch how they respond because behavior see says everything. It's so funny because I used to work in, uh, um, I used to do home-based therapy with kids. Yes. 10 times out of 10, the parents come and they're like, fix my kid. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, hey, you need to fix yourself because yeah. you are the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and they never want to look at that. They're just looking at this because acting out. Okay, but why is he acting out? Why? There is a and, reason. And if, you, and if you dig deep enough, if you dig deep enough. You're going to realize it's yeah, you. It's you. Like, it's because he, this child is lacking something that something. you're not giving them. And, and something that you yourself might lack. Yeah. Yep. You understand? You yourself lacked it, so you can't give what you don't have. Like, how are you going to mm-hmm. fill a cup if you're empty? You can't. You yep. understand? And then you wonder why there's this desire in you to provide. Because you're you're overcompensating. Yeah. You know, you can't, internally, you cannot, you know that there's always going to be this kind of chip on your shoulder that you can't provide. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you try to provide everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, but but this is a real conversation. I want you I want everyone to really how do you say it? Prioritize yourself. Yeah. Really prioritize yourself. Look within yourself and look at what what you're doing with your life, what you're doing with your day, and how much of your day is spent with your child. Mm-hmm. If I feel like if some parents really, really took the time to ask themselves, okay, in the 24 hour period. How much of my time is given to the child? But I don't even think to like, it's even the quantity as it is the, the quality. quality. The, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I mean, yes, we definitely understand you, that parents are you, working, but when you have like, if, if it's not the five minutes and all you're doing is just giving that person attention and love, that's all they need. That can yeah. fill them up until the next a, day. A child can easily be satisfied. Oh, yeah. I promise you. Very prom- easy to please. It takes five seconds. It takes five seconds. And that five seconds is the most valuable five seconds yeah. of a child's life. Okay? Because 100%. you looked at them. You paid attention to them when they needed the, the most. Okay? Mm-hmm. And if you don't mm-hmm. if you you don't believe me, ask a child to go around. A, like Sorry. Ask a child like you know to, to bring you a toy. Okay? And that child wants to show you their toy. Okay, like literally, it's like the, this is fascinating. <laughs> Look how their eyes get. Now, yeah. once they're done with you, after they're done with you, they go and they want to show somebody else. Mm. They want to show somebody else, like, "Look at my toy." Why? Because you validated their toy. <laughs> their excitement for their, <laughs> their toy. excitement. Their excitement. <laughs> like you, you made their toy seem so important. Right. <laughs> so now they're like, "Well, if you think it's important, let me show this person." <laughs> right. You know, yeah. so it, it, it really and truly, as I said, just take the time to to. As Danielle was saying, she said, "Um, you know, it's not about the qu- the the quality, the quantity. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality." Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But, so coming back to but, your sister. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but uh, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> but you can have quantity. Okay, you can have five minutes, you can have, you know, an hour. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you give a hundred percent in the five minutes and you give a hundred percent in the hour, okay, what's really happening? You say you said quantity. Mm-hmm. Okay. They still feel that quantity. 
Right. Regardless right. of the amount of time. Regardless of the amount of time. Mm-hmm. So it's not about quantity or quality. It's about you. It's about presence. Because you could be there with the person. You could be there mm-hmm. physically, but mentally you're not there. Mentally you're still at work. Right. Mentally- Which is why I said the quality because you... In quality, you're actually emotionally present. Invested. Good. So that's what I was. That's what yeah. I want to do. I want you to. I want you to um, clarify to people what quality looks like. Yeah, quality people, looks like you're giving your complete undivided attention to them attention. in the few minutes or however many hours that you have for them. Exactly, because a lot of people they feel like quality is girl. I bought this. I bought that. Right I'm now, here, I'm here physically, mm-hmm. and and the baby daddy ain't here, but I'm here. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, we're really just talking about emotional presence, exactly. You know? So, so your presence, not your yeah. presence. Yes, exactly. That's what you, that's what's important. Okay, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what really defines the quality of your time mm-hmm. spent with your child. So yeah. when when my when my sister was born, there was the presence. But there was the pres. There wasn't a present. So you understand, like the presence, okay, of a person. Okay. So I'm there by myself, having to take care of my little sister, mm-hmm. not knowing how to take care of myself. Right. Okay. Now, parents come home. You and I don't know if other parents are like this, but I'm a Jamaican girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your parents they kind of have a, this thing expectations. where expectations they expect you to take care of the child okay right. like they expect you when the child comes home please have them showered or when when i come home as a parent please mm-hmm. have the child please have the child showered the dinner okay. fed better, better the house cleaned. Thaw, thaw that chicken <laughs> the okay house, <laughs> yeah the house cleaned okay right like literally they turned you into a parent Mm. They t- they turned you into a parent and they turned themselves into the pay rents. All they do is pay rent. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you understand? Mm-hmm. But the real parent is the child. And then you wonder why the, ch- why the child grows up so fast. Right. I mean, and you were forced to grow up real fast yes. from a young age forced to grow up i didn't know what a child looks like now i'm older and now i'm a child like i'm the most childish i've ever been (laughs) now that i'm older (laughs) right you know and that's very important that's something very important for people to understand when you don't have a childhood you become a child as you grow older Mm -hmm. because they're they're they're, literally you have to have that child experience there's something valuable there's something precious about being a child Mm mm-hmm so please protect your children so they don't have to grow up so fast. Yeah. Okay. So uh, did you have like resentment towards definitely your T- towards everybody? Mm. <laughs> towards everybody. I was honestly, I just it made me see the world as everyone was else w- was better off and had access to things that I never had access to. Mm. You understand? They were better off than I was. In that, if you had two parents, automatically you were better than me. Mm. okay like two parents physically there with you right <laughs> you know um and and not just that with the with the sibling um kind of relationship it made me realize that there could have been more than more like literally not only is there one child there could be another child and another child and another child mm. 
So I was like, your hope of having like, okay, just for me. Now you're like, oh man, it's never going to happen. It's not, it's never going to happen. Like that was my mentality of, I am really alone now. It solidified that feeling of alone, of of aloneness. Hmm. Okay. Now this, as I said, I was about eight years old at that time. Right. Um, as time passed, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's like, Life got better, but it got worse. Hmm. It got better because I had a little bit of ease from the pain, but it got worse because now I knew exactly the pain that was happening to me. I knew exactly what's happening. Hmm. When I was a child and things happened to me, I didn't know. Right. I didn't know what was happening. But now I know I'm being raped. I'm being abused. You understand? Mm-hmm. There, there's Your experience is different when you know what's what's happening to you. At this time, do you still not say anything to your mom? Like, does no one know still? <laughs> so I didn't tell my mom until this experience that I'm going to tell you about now. Okay. And this is this is possibly the hardest part of my experience to actually talk about. Because mm. this one was, before it was with people around me. Mm-hmm. This one happened in my mother's home with my family. Mm. And my mother was there. Like, did she know? So or... I'll tell you exactly what happened. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll tell you who it was. Straight up. So my grandfather used to come and visit us all the time. And mm-hmm. he'd spend six months in different uh, parts of Canada, six months out of the country in Jamaica. I was born. Mm-hmm. And Obviously, if you don't have a place to stay, you got to stay with somewhere with, with, your, with your children. Mm-hmm. So he stayed with my mother. And basically, there was a day when my mother was dying his hair. Okay. And he had an allergic reaction. And my, my, my grandfather, he likes to drink. He drinks a lot. So whenever he drinks to, to for whether he's happy, whether he's sad, everything is drink, 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 drink. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have an allergic reaction. You get a little worried. Your face, your whole his his whole face was swollen. Mm-hmm. So he turned to alcohol as a solution. He got so drunk that he actually ended up in the room with me. I remember I'm there because I've of, of all the experiences that I've had, it taught me that like to protect myself at all times. So I used mm-hmm. the blanket. I covered myself. I I used to cover my head while I sleep. Mm-hmm. like no part of my body would be explode, exposed and I feel somebody lifting up putting their hand underneath the blanket mm-hmm. and then there goes the pain again there goes the pain again and my mother at that time when everything happened she was actually on the floor she was sleeping but there's and the, she was on the floor and she gave my grandfather the bed and he did this to me in her bed. Wow. Okay. Now, some I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming this is a trauma response. But when these things are happening to me, I actually shut down totally. It's almost like I leave my body. It's almost like I am mm-hmm. not like there. Like dissociate. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't speak. I can't scream. I can't yell. I can't do anything. Oh, like you I can't paralyzed? move. I can't even move. I literally become physically paralyzed. Mm. So the and the, the minute and the thing is, I now it's happened to me so many times that I am um, I anticipate it and I know when it's gonna happen. Wow. 
I knew exactly when it was going to happen. So after that, after the experience was over and I finally came to my senses, I'm able to actually move, able to speak now. Mm-hmm. I kicked my mother. I kicked her and I told her, go in the bathroom. And when I brought her into the bathroom, that's when I finally said to her, grandfather did this and this and this to me. Okay. What was her response? She couldn't believe it. She could not believe it. She actually, she started crying. And then on top of that, I said to her, this is not the first time. When I was younger, in that time, that same time period that I told you guys about, that I was kind of home and my sister was just born and all those things. That One of the times when my grandfather actually came and um, came over and, and stayed with us, he used to be the one watching us, okay? And there was a time, Dania, when he literally looked at me, he would cook my favorite food, my favorite food. And he looked at me all the time. It happened multiple times. And he would say, you cannot eat this unless you do this, this, and this. Wow. You can't eat, like literally no food. That so, is so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You understand? Like, imagine that at that point, it's a survival thing. Yeah. You don't you don't know when you're going to eat again. I mean, that's complete manipulation. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, that's and, terrible. Yeah. And that happened when I was from the time I was eight years old all the way till I was about 15 i think i I think that's when um it happened on the bed and i told my mom yeah wow so he was doing this to you all those years all those years all those years and i was completely silent until that one time Mm. when i just could not take it anymore and my mother was there she was there and accessible (sighs) and i could say something Mm -hmm. i could finally say this is what happened to me right you know but it's it's scary like looking back and thinking about it think about that like even after this is this is what happened after i told my mom she wanted to put him in jail of course and i said no the reason why i told her no was because one to me that was my grandfather as much as i did not like, I knew that what he was doing was wrong, but I saw him in one way, which is, that's my family. Mm. So I wanted to protect him. Of course. And remember, I still had that victim mentality of, I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I, as I said, I wanted to protect him, but I also, like, wanted to protect my family. More important than anything else, I wanted to protect my family. And as I said, I also had that victim mentality of I'm the problem. Something is wrong with me. This is my fault. So I didn't even blame him. I didn't blame him. Even though he did what he did to me, I blamed me. Yeah. I mean, that's totally normal, too. Yeah. You've been blaming yourself for all the time. The whole my whole life. Yeah. My whole life. 
So what was going to be different? It was going to change all of a sudden. Right. You know? So the thing is, when I told my mother, because we didn't have him locked up, he ended up going to another place and doing the same thing. To you? Not to me, to someone else. Oh, no. So that is when I really felt that self-blame because I blamed myself for what he was doing now. You understand? I blamed myself for for what he did to to me. Mm -hmm. And I blamed myself for what he was doing because I let him get away. Mm -hmm. Because the kids, they were younger than me. Right. You know? And the thing is, and I heard it multiple times. You know, you hear the, the stories like every family has a story and people would they, they have moments where they're telling stories or sharing stories. And I would hear the stories of it happening. And the minute I hear the story, it's like a familiar feeling. I know exactly what that feels like. And I knew yeah. that it was true, <laughs> you know, because the same experience that I had. So that was my thing was was. I needed to kind of distance myself from the environment but I didn't know how to get myself out of the environment so what I turned to again was writing because it gave me the isolation that I needed isolation became a way of protecting myself but on top of that I found another way of protecting myself and I did this for years I, I somehow kind of started thinking that okay if if I wear the clothes that I'm wearing and they do these things to me. Maybe if they don't see my body, they won't do anything to me. Mm. So I started wearing big, like I'm telling you layered clothing. Like Mm -hmm. I I put, I put more um, clothes on multiple layers and big, like the biggest possible (laughs) clothes Mm -hmm. that I could find just to kind of shield myself. The clothes became like a shield. Mm. That makes sense because I remember I know you to be the baggy (laughs) and (laughs) hoodies and your joggers or your sweatpants. And it became what I felt the most comfortable in. Yeah. And and just like what you just said, it actually became the thing that you saw me in the most, which means it it, some people wear clothing as a reflection of themselves, like Mm -hmm. representing themselves. So that my clothes. I wore my burden that I was feeling inside on my clothes and it got so bad that those, the same sweatpants and stuff that I would wear in the winter oh, summertime sweatpants, jacket, everything. I just needed to hide. Mm. I need to hide. I need to escape. Yeah. You know? So that it almost like it became my identity. And then that that goes back with the internalization. So Mm -hmm. I was internalizing it emotionally at first. It was just like, oh, I feel guilty. I feel shame, you know, ashamed. Mm -hmm. But now it became a physical thing where people could see it on me, but they couldn't see what I was going through. Right. You know, a lot of times when you see your friends, when you see your family, sometimes people think they're okay. But if you actually look at small details, look at how their clothing have cha- has changed over the years. Look at how how their their way of speaking has changed over the years. Because sometimes you actually you you take on 
the like for example if you're around somebody for too long you you end up laughing the way they laugh right and saying the things they say saying the things they say so you adapt to their vocabulary Mm -hmm. and it becomes yours a lot of times when somebody has been abused they take on the the personality that was not originally theirs Mm-hmm. They take they mm-hmm. take on a way of of dressing, a way of being that was not them, you know. So so that was something that I struggled with, and because now came the judgment. Mm-hmm. People started judging me because of what I would wear. Girl, that's facts because I remember that in church. Yeah, like I yeah. remember. Yeah, hearing what people would say. Yeah, you know, and so. And and I was so used to it. Everywhere yeah. I go, somebody would say, "Oh, why are you dress like that? Why do you look like that?" But it 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 was worse. I started I started not only using clothes to protect myself, but I started using my weight. Hmm. If they could see my hips, if they could see my breasts, they're gonna want to touch it. They're gonna want to abuse me. Wow. But if they can't see it, because it's hidden by all the fat, then what are they gonna do to me? It was like it was like you. I learned those kind of coping mechanisms mm-hmm. that I now struggle with to this day. Like I still yeah. struggle with my weight to this day, but my weight became a way of surviving. Yeah. Wow, Raquel. Like I never even thought of that for you. Like hearing you even explain you know, these reasons. I mean, it just make everything make sense. Makes sense. You mm-hmm. know, and you're a person who grew up with me. Someone who yeah. knows me now, they wouldn't, they would be like, okay, that's just who you are. Exactly. But, like, in my opinion, it was just like, this is your style. Like, you're, yeah. this is what you do. You know, you're a hoodie yeah. girl. Like, that's it. I, that, I mean, I mean for, anytime we need a gift for Raquel, <laughs> we're going to get her hoodie. hoodie, like, hoodie, hoodie. <laughs> but, but you know what? It Now, it's something I've grown to love. Yeah, I, I I loved it out of a necessity. Mm-hmm. It was something that was was a okay when when your life when you feel like everything in your life is moving out of your control, mm-hmm. you try to take control of something, right? And That's my so clothes true. was the one thing that I could control mm-hmm. to an extent. Obviously, my mother was not having it. She's the church going like I, 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 I need we, you in a dress. You had those skirts on at church sometimes. <laughs> That's all you. <laughs> No, no, no. Can I be honest with you? I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Dania, I was so embarrassed about my body that I had two, two skirts skirts that I wore for about five years because I I, I could not, it was to go into a store and to undress myself and to Mm. try on clothes was the worst experience because I had to look in the mirror. I had to look in the mirror and my mom, she would put um, in my room, she would put uh, mirrors in my room and the next day it would be out because I didn't look at it I, I mm. for, until I was about 25 26 years old when I started really um taking care of my own internal healing I could not yeah. look in a mirror. I could not look in a mirror let alone pass one wow wow you know so as I said like sometimes you see changes in people man and those changes are the coping mechanisms the same thing that you're like oh my friend's okay you think they're okay yeah i think they're okay but they're not and if you're a real friend please just pay attention to them yeah the same way you want them to notice the changes in you notice the changes in them we'll save each other's lives that way yeah because i needed i needed it it's crazy (laughs) how you just don't know what people are going through at all 
you know and all and that's why it's very important that whenever we interact with each other as human human beings we need to make sure that we treat each other with respect we treat each other with love because you don't know what's happening within that person you don't know the battles they're fighting on site when they interact with you that's why i try every single time i interact with another human being i try my absolute best to make sure that they have the greatest experience that they could ever have in their lives in the time that they spend with me you know because that could make a difference in their life i give to people what i needed the most i love that though because some people can't do that can't do that i learned to do that i learned to do that because I needed it. It's like it's almost like I be the same way I became a physical parent, right? Um, to my sister, mm-hmm. I be I had to become a parent to myself. So I had to give myself and give others what I needed. Right. Mm-hmm. So I needed somebody to listen to me, to pay attention to me. So what did I do? I pay attention to others. I listen to others. You see, everything I needed for myself, I became that for everybody else. But the thing is, when you become that for everybody else, you neglect yourself. I relate to that wholeheartedly yeah i mean that's the whole reason i came up with this podcast basically (laughs) you know because i was just giving 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 and i was not getting and it was just too overwhelming think about a car if you drive and drive and drive and drive the car's gonna run out of gas exactly and now imagine you continuously drive and drive when the car's already been out of gas how Mm -hmm. many hours ago you understand? A lot of times we are out of gas. Yes. We are out of emotional gas. We can't give anymore. We can't invest anymore. But we keep going and going and mm-hmm. pushing ourselves. And like your show is called, I am not okay. Sometimes we need to admit to ourselves, not sometimes, that's that all the time. We need yeah. to admit to ourselves that we are not okay. Yes. You understand? And we we need to understand that it's okay not to be okay. Exactly. Like, it's absolutely okay not to be okay. You are not a perfect human being. Life is not perfect. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if you're not perfect and life's not perfect, how can you expect that, oh, you're going to have everything in life be perfect? Right. Everything. You don't expect, expect to experience pain? Listen, if there's one thing in life that's guaranteed, it's struggle. It's pain facts and, i hate it but it's yeah, facts but it's life mm-hmm. because if you didn't go through the pain how are you gonna appreciate the moments without pain right on top of that i, I heard somewhere that when the bone is broken okay the place where that bone was broken once it heals it becomes the strongest part of the bone wow really yeah so now if that if you're if you break something and it heals stronger what do you think life is doing to you Mm-hmm. life breaks you to heal you and to make you stronger love it you have, <laughs> love it. You have to go through these things we all yeah. have to go through pain we yeah. all have to go through pain you know but what's important is how we deal with our struggle how we make sense of our struggle mm-hmm. you know so so now your your grandfather is now doing this to other people, like what ends up happening at that point? So, like when you find out. So what happened was they ended up sending him out of the country to Jamaica. Okay. So it's like, you feel like you get rid of the problem. You know what mm. I mean? But the reality is you don't get rid of the problem. You just move it out of your sight. Exactly. <laughs> like, he should have gone to jail. And honestly, yeah. like if... Uh, 
You know, if this is today and yeah. anyone found out, yeah, that person can also get in trouble for not sending him to jail. For not sending him to jail. Now, here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. Let me tell you this. Every single person, when they are abusing you, they always say the same phrase. This is a secret. Don't tell anybody. Mm. When you speak about your situation and you mm -hmm. tell people, you are freeing yourself from the same person that tried to silence you. Yes. Yes. Every time someone told me to shut up, I spoke louder. I love that. Louder. You understand? To the point where I got in trouble for it. Like, I used to get in trouble for my mouth. Like, always, always talking. <laughs> always talking. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but the very same thing that I used to get in trouble for, that is my entire purpose in life. Yeah. Yeah. Because remember what I told you guys about my name? Meaning uh, the angel of justice. Mm -hmm. It's also the name of the angel of speech. Really? So, so the whole time I was trying to find my purpose. And it's in my name. Speak. I love that so much. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to have kids. I'm still like 80% and it's enough for me. But <laughs> if I ever do... Especially since I learned the, the the meanings of names, I'm definitely going to take care in choosing a name. Choose the name. Because that's name. so important. Yeah. You know, like it's more than just, okay, like, this is cute. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need that's something with meaning. With so meaning. I just love that. And, and the thing is, life has meaning. Your life has meaning. Yeah. And so because your life has meaning and each of our lives have meaning, when... The, even if you don't have a name that has a powerful meaning, you can give meaning to your name. I love that. You can give meaning to your name. You can give meaning to your family name. God can give meaning to your name. Because your remember, name. like what you said earlier, he he did just that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know, so so as you go through life, as you go through um through through changes in life, this mm -hmm. Understand that, especially when you when you've been through abuse. If someone ever told you to shut up, speak louder. Just speak yes. louder. Tell them, and if they have a problem with it, tell them I said to speak louder. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> coming to you now. Okay, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but honestly, this is this this podcast here is a, is is for for healing. Yes, it's for healing. It's a community of healing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. music. People use music as 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 healing as well. Why do you think you relate to music? You know, why do you think you, you you value the music that you listen to? It's because it's something that you you can say either it says something like it speaks to you or it says something that you feel that you don't know how to put into words. Yes. I mean, are we going to go there though? Are you going to go to the music or what? <laughs> because I've been waiting. Okay. <laughs> you know, so as I said, I just want everyone out there, just if you've gone through something, man, find an outlet, yeah. find an outlet. You know, um, the next thing, too, is I want to I want to tell you that that's not it. Like everything I went through, that wasn't even it. Like that was. <laughs> wow. OK, so as I said, this is going to be a part one, part two. So we're going to continue 
in our next episode with part two of Raquel's story, guys. <laughs> of course. And that is the end of part one of Raquel's story. Stay tuned next week for part two. Trust me, you guys, you don't want to miss it. As Raquel said, there is so much more to the story. I can't wait for you all to hear it. Until next week. Bye.